Welcome to the Whatcom Dads Podcast, the show where three dads try to cover up our parenting mistakes by offering some of our parenting tools to try with your kids. This is episode 20, and I'm Chris Roselli. I'm Nathan Dwyer. And I'm Mark Bagley. This week, our wives return to discuss how parenting has been going over the last 12 months during the pandemic. We interview Chris's wife about her experience as a teacher during the pandemic, and the dads reflect on our last 19 episodes. The big two zero, guys. We made it 20 Woo-hoo. episodes. What was the over-under you initially thought we would uh, hit with this thing? Four. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> it was it was more about me, not you. Oh, you were just going to last four. I thought maybe you were going to fire me after four. Maybe we were going to trade <laughs> you for some prospects and players to be named later. Yeah, someone way more entertaining and intelligent. You know, 20, it's funny, we were talking last week about 19 and, you know, the things you get to do on your 19th birthday being 20 see 20 for me was just a letdown right because 20 there really is nothing you don't get anything it just means you have to wait an entire year to have a legal beverage in the united states so this is just kind of a boring it's just a boring number it's next month or next week will be will be the exciting one 21 we should do something really special for our 21 run I have uh, I have a couple ideas, but hopefully the podcast episode isn't boring, and uh, because it's going to be our wives talking for the most part, we're just going to be on here briefly with some brief updates. So, anyways, guys, some statistics to date: we're averaging about ninety-five downloads per episode, and we are creeping up on our two thousandth download. So, thank you to all the listeners out there, both in Whatcom County, outside Whatcom County. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do. Mark's got Mark's got two thousand computers. He's just running around downloading different. Uh... <laughs> He's paying for subscribers. Yeah, right. That's really server. incredible. I can't believe it. So you you know I live on a little mini farm. It's actually a server farm, and I just uh, have all the downloads going automatically. <laughs> all right. Well, we are in the month of March. You guys know I'm a sports fan. What's the best part of March? March Madness! Absolutely, March Madness. So it won't surprise you that I worked up a little bracket for us here. And so I asked you for some suggestions on things that are the best parts of being a parent, being a dad. So we have 16 ideas here, and I'm going to go through these matchups this week, and we're going to cut it to eight. Then I'm going to put those on Facebook. Our listeners can help us cut it down further. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to determine what is the best thing about being a parent or best part of being a dad. So I'm going to throw these out there. You each get a vote. If you agree, that moves on. If you disagree, I get to break the tie. All right? All right. Perfect. First matchup, best part of being a dad. Playing catch versus when you get home from work. Oh, man. That's like the kids coming up. Hey, dad, how was your day? That whole part of getting home or play and catch. That's hard because this year I've been home. So now it's, uh, I think, it, would you agree, Mark, as he got older, it was less exciting for them when you came home from work? <laughs> hey, dad. <laughs> if I got a hey, dad, that was like, wow, you're in a great mood today. 
So I'm voting for a catch. It is special. I'll vote for a catch too. All right. I would have disagreed because at my kids ages catch is a little harder to do and getting home from work is a big deal, but playing catch has advanced to the second round. Next matchup hugs and kisses versus having a little sidekick. Hugs and kisses. Yeah, I'm gonna go hugs and kisses as well. I was too. That's unanimous. Hugs and kisses moves on for a tough second round matchup next week against playing catch. (laughs) (laughs) Next matchup, embarrassing your kids versus buying them presents. I'm going to say buying presents because I hate being embarrassed. And so I always try to not embarrass my kids. There's something fun about being a being a dad where the kids expect you to do something that is embarrassing to them. But I agree, buying the kids presents, it's uh it's a joyful thing to do. It doesn't matter, but I would have agreed as well. So that moves on. Next up, eating their unfinished food versus hearing them laugh. I'm gonna say eating the food. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Loved it. Oh, okay. Uh, the food or hearing them laugh? Oh, gosh. You know, I oh, hearing them laugh is a joy, without a doubt. But, um, you know, how often do you really order grilled cheese for yourself at a restaurant? Like, you never do. But leftover grilled cheese from the kids' menu is pretty amazing. So I'll, I'll vote leftover food. All right, so next week's second-round matchup will be buying them presents versus eating unfinished food. Down to the bottom half of the bracket we go. Cuddling versus life slowing down when you have a kid. I don't think life slows down when you have a kid, so I'm going to say cuddling. I agree, 100%. I would say cuddling as well. Next up. Watching them play sports or perform, whether it's music or dance or drama, versus teaching them stuff. Um, I always enjoyed the watching. Oh, I enjoy the teaching. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoy the, te- the teaching too. It's it's one of those things that just watching how their mind works and how they gradually pick something up and learn, I really enjoy just that process. Yeah. Next matchup, dad jokes versus creating memories and traditions. I'm going with uh, with traditions. Yeah, so am I. I think that's the total joy of being a dad and a parent. Yes. Yeah, we like dad jokes, but the memories and traditions are going to carry the day. And final first round matchup, reading to them versus watching them grow up. Uh, some of my best memories are reading to them. At bedtime, so I'm going to stick with that. I will agree. Watching them grow up, now that they're in middle and high school, I don't know, I'm kind of in this midlife dad crisis. Like, it makes me kind of sad, actually. It happens. It's a real thing. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're now down to eight that we'll tackle again next week. Again, the eight things that we're left with as some of the best parts of being a dad. Playing catch, hugs and kisses buying them presents, eating their unfinished food, cuddling, teaching them stuff, 
creating memories and traditions and reading to them. So check out our Facebook page if you want to weigh in on those second round matchups. I can't wait to hear what our listeners have to say. Those are tough ones. Your life can change in an instant. Car accidents impact all aspects of your life and lead to pain and suffering, medical bills, and time missed from work. Robinson & Cole, attorneys in Bellingham, can help. They have represented thousands of clients since 1979. They also handle other types of injury claims, including workers' compensation. Consultations are always free and are available in Spanish. Robinson & Cole, when you need us, we will be here. you guys oh good how is it already time for this again I don't know I, don't, I think they skipped ahead <laughs> I think so they, they went from 10 to 20 exactly yeah <laughs> but I had the greatest time with you last time so I don't know why I feel this way again it just feels like a lot of pressure I think it I think it was great chatting with you guys and I had a lot of fun too it was just the idea that other people are hearing it and um yeah that that weirds me out a lot Nathan wanted me to ask did we think that they would make it to 20 episodes <laughs> definitely <laughs> I totally thought they would I knew they would yeah it's fun I enjoy what listening to them they're so they have such good camaraderie and they're so funny I think I laugh out loud I agree. (laughs) It's been fun to listen to them over time too and kind of um, see how they're getting into a rhythm and, Mm -hmm. you know, it feels more natural, Mm -hmm. not as scripted, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, they're just kind of coming into it, which Mm -hmm. has been really fun. Yeah. 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 I was, I was sure they would make it this far. I just wasn't so sure that people would be listening. So I thought, well, sure. I mean, they're committed and they want to do it for fun. Great people, you know, they'll, they'll get it done, but I don't know if anybody's going to keep listening. And I know I think folks are. are. So I think so too. The guests are great and it's interesting. It's interesting to listen to. Yeah. I think it's funny that um, I, I kind of, I explained to him that I think that um, Mark and Chris are like the color commentary and Nathan's yes. the play-by-play. Yes. <laughs> totally. That's act. That's very accurate. He brings the facts and the research and the data. And uh, Mark and Chris fill it in with the color and the, the <laughs> make it exciting. I love it. Okay. So we've been doing this for a year, right? Parenting and the pandemic. And here we are. Yep. A year after the world came to a big halt. Mm-hmm. It is amazing. Yeah. What's been hard? Yeah. What are some of the hardest things you you have encountered? I mean, well, for us, the hardest thing for the hardest thing for me was to have my kiddos not have the friendships that um, I think is so are so important right now, especially Benjamin, who was was four, now five. Um, It's been the hardest for me to have him not not know how to make any friends. He de- he didn't really have any friends before other than siblings of other friends or family friends. Um, so for him to, to kind of miss those preschool, that preschool time when he should be learning how to be a friend and make a friend. And that's been hard. And now the next time he'll be able to do that is in the fall when he goes to kindergarten. And 
So <laughs> I'm kind of crossing my fingers and hoping that I know the other kids will be in the same boat, but I hope it's not as much of a struggle. Um, and not a, not such a big learning curve for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We've faced that too with our kids. It's really interesting. Our kids being 12 and 14 at this age, you know, their friendships are based on the million interactions that they have with each other at school and those commonalities that they share um, throughout their school day. And so one of the things we have faced is them not being in school for a year until just recently. You know, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know, I haven't I haven't seen that person. I wonder if we're still friends, that kind of thing. Whereas, you know, our adult friendships, I could not see either one of you for a year and a half and know that when we're back together, of course, we're still friends. Then life just happens uh, to be busy, but that's not the case with these guys. And so just helping them to build their confidence, like, reach out to somebody, go for a walk with them. Yeah, but what if, you know, that kind of a thing. And I I wouldn't have expected that from either one of our quite social girls, um, but that's been really true for both of them. And so that's that's been hard. And we've had to do a lot of coaching around um, kind of, you know, getting them to take some risks and, and get back out there, <laughs> if you will. So, yeah. What's interesting for for Lexi and Alyssa is they might not even understand that all of their peers are feeling the same way too. And they're all feeling unsure. And um, yeah, so, but it's hard to tell them that. It is. Yeah. Yeah. They just feel like, uh, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be the weird one that's reaching out. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Are we still friends? Are we not? And yeah. So, so that's, yeah, it's been tricky. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it, makes you feel any better or them feel any better but Ben's been living in a house with seven other boys so there's well six other boys there's seven boys in the house and they've all been basically cooped up in their rooms um schooling online and um and some of them are working part-time jobs but mostly like Uber Eats and DoorDash and things like that and um, you know, they, you'd think they have built in friendships. They're all good to go. And, but this has been really hard on everybody, um, emotionally and, right. um, you know, they're all worried about not wanting to get COVID or pass on COVID or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, I think that it's so nice that it's springtime and it's Mm -hmm. so nice that we're, um, the case numbers are coming down and people are getting vaccinated because even for the college student set, it's been really, really hard to be cooped up and, and they haven't been able to be on campus for, you know, all this time. And that was not what they had in mind when they rented this house together, you know, and they thought they would be having all this social time and, you know, and, it's, it's hard. Online school is hard, even at college age. Yeah. Yeah. But, but on the other hand, you know, just a lot of um, things we didn't expect about this time that would be pretty sweet and just that are going to forever be memorable for our family. Like 
<laughs> so much time together, which has been amazing and, you know, hard at some times. But but looking back now, and now that we are coming down the other side of the mountain, I'm having these emotional feelings about things sort of resuming a little bit and our kids getting busier again and going off and doing things like, wait, 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 no, no, no. Come, remember, remember we're a pack. We stay together. <laughs> Like just really trying to just treasure uh, this, you know, all the time that we have had together this past year and done things together as a family we just never made time for before because we were too busy. Puzzles and tons of, you know, family movie nights and game nights and just doing other things we wouldn't have spent time doing because our life was going a million miles an hour. So I'm trying to really treasure those things and hold on to them. And Chris and I have vowed, we'll see, we have vowed to, you know, to try to think about keeping some of that as we go forward. I don't know. We'll see. I, we're bound to get busy again, but. <laughs> Last summer was so great because we had every day a day of nothing. I mean, we did so many trips to the beach before anybody else got out there <laughs> and hikes and things. And those were those were better, I think, than any of the other camps, especially because we were together and mm -hmm. the kids really were able to bond over it. And I think their relationship is stronger than it would have been otherwise. They're better friends, um, considering how Ellen was going to be at school all day, every day. Um, and Ben would have been at preschool a couple days a week, too. They would have been all in different spots and having them all home together was really good for, for them. They've turned out to be really great playmates, which has been a, a hope. Like, I, you know, of course, I hoped for that, but it's been an unexpected blessing of this time. Um, and just our days have slowed down a lot in a really good way. Molly doesn't know any different, of course. She thinks everybody stays home all the time anyway. So she <laughs> she's in for a bit of a shock next fall. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. As are everybody's uh, COVID puppies that they got over the last <laughs> year, right? Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> our house included. Yeah, our, yeah. Well, the first three months um, when we were in actual lockdown, um, I insisted that both kids come and and stay here with us. It was so special to have my grown children in our house. I never thought that they would live with us ever again, you know, because Allie's got a job and, you know, a career and, and Ben, you know, is fully in college and, you know, has, is leasing this house on a full year lease, you know, and so that was really special um, all those months. And it was so scary at first. And, it, you know, so for me as a parent, it was very comforting to know where they were and that they weren't sick. That was really special. And we, we did spend a lot of time doing those games and things. And, but then as things opened up last summer, Allie moved back to her apartment in Seattle and, and then Ben, moved in with his college friends and, but I, I felt very comforted knowing that um, through the scariest parts of it, we had talked about all the things, you know, staying healthy and washing your hands. And I knew that they were really good about wearing their masks and, you know, so I, I, 
even though they weren't living in my house, I, I felt um, confident that they, they knew what was going Mm -hmm. on and how to do the right things. And so that was special. We're, we're coming to the light at the end of the tunnel. We're, we're not there yet, but we we're on our way. So with this time remaining, what kind of like, what tips and tricks helped you, what worked for you and your kids that maybe I could use (laughs) or others could use too? (laughs) I really had to uh, prioritize taking care of myself. Um, And for me, that looked like time away to exercise, like going out on the trail and just going for a walk by myself or with Chris or um, working out. I needed that to be able to process everything that was happening um, so that I could be there for the girls. And I found that if I, if I didn't do those things, usually first thing in the morning, if I didn't do those things to kind of get my um, headspace in the right place, then I couldn't help them through what they were feeling worried and nervous about. I mean, they were old enough to know what was going on and to hear things and to read things and see things on TV that um, I quickly realized if, if I didn't, if I didn't take care of that for myself, then I wasn't available for them. And uh, that was a big that was a big lesson for me because I kept feeling like, why, why am I so grouchy? Why am I? And it, I was nervous. I was worried and I was anxious and I needed some outlet for that. And so for me, I took it out on the trail <laughs> and I talked it out with myself and I listened to podcasts and I listened to music and I could just sort of write my own brain so that I could help them. That's great. Yeah. For, for me, I think the, the, the best thing I did for myself and for our family was I lowered our expectations, but I think that really helped because I could have, I could have gone so far on one end trying to be a, um, a stay at home mom who's doing homeschooling and we're having themed days and, you know, all I, I could have gone to the extreme um, and really burned us all out and mm-hmm. made it really uncomfortable for everyone. And I think just lowering our expectations and saying the kids are going to be fine. We're all going to be fine if we can just, you know, do what we need to do to stay safe and love on each other a little bit more than usual. I think for me, you know, I'm all about food. So eating healthy food was, is a big deal. And when I get stressed, I end up just eating chocolate all day. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I don't feel so good the next day and it takes me a while to figure what? out what happens. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> but just trying to, um, be in a routine with, um, eating better and making a healthy dinner. Um, that's, you know, for me to be able to turn off the work world and walk away from the screen and do something with my hands at dinner time, you know, and is completely separate from listening to the news or, you know, any of the other distractions was, was really helpful. 
And it was nice having the kids here because they would each take a turn cooking. And it was fun for me to get to, you know, see, wow, they can, they can do it and they enjoy it. And they, you know, I mean, my kids have driver's licenses and credit cards. (laughs) They would go to the store and buy the ingredients and come back and cook us food. It was really special. Um, So that, that was fun. Well, this is great. I am. I hope Nathan can edit uh, a lot of that and make it work. Oh yeah. Good luck, Nathan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Nathan. <laughs> the Interfaith Coalition of Whatcom County connects local families experiencing homelessness with the skills and tools they need to become self-sufficient in a home of their own. Join Interfaith Coalition on Saturday, April tenth, at seven p.m for their virtual storytelling fundraiser, Sanctuary, Calm and Chaos. This free event, which you can live stream from your home, will bring the community together to raise money for families experiencing homelessness here in Whatcom County. Storytellers include a Moth Story Slam winner, a Nooksack Tribal Storyteller, and a former Family Promise of Whatcom County guest. Learn more about Interfaith Coalition and register for this virtual fundraiser at interfaith-coalition.com. Dot org. That's interfaith-coalition.org. Well, Mark, when you're doing an episode about the past year's pandemic and an episode that includes your wives, what do you think you should do for an interview? You should probably interview one of the wives. And maybe one that has a job that's been directly impacted by the pandemic. It's a great idea. Who's that going to be? Uh, I think we're going to do Chris's wife. And uh, so Chris isn't here right now. Hi, Amy. How are you? Hi. Thank you for having me. So listeners, uh, Chris's wife, Amy, is a third grade teacher. And we're going to talk a little bit to her about how her job has changed over the last 12 months and how students are doing and maybe more importantly, how teachers are doing. And so, Amy, I know that you're just going to bring one person's perspective here and you're not speaking on behalf of any of your colleagues. But thanks so much for doing this. You bet. So uh, tell us what's been the biggest obstacle for you as a teacher over the past 12 months. Well, trying to figure out how to do my job from home. (laughs) A lot of jobs translate much more easily to being able to work remotely. And that's hard when you're working with eight and nine-year-olds that are very active. And the bulk of my job is all about the day-to-day interactions with these kids, how they walk in in the morning, how they're feeling, what's the look on their face that tells me, did they have breakfast? Did Was there an argument as they were getting out of the car? Like all of those things help me to really know my students. And that's been really, really hard to do virtually because it's easy to hide behind a screen. It's easy to turn your camera off. um, And then it's really hard for a teacher to get a realistic um, uh, impression of what's going on. So that's been, I would say, one of the hardest things uh, about the last year. Um, and then, of course, when this all started, um, our big focus was on trying to get everybody access to technology, access to um, internet connection. And I feel really grateful to work for a district that provided technology to all of our kids but that was hard. It became very obvious um, 
of the inequities that our that our families face. And it took a lot of time and effort to um, get everybody connected so that they could begin trying to access what we could offer overnight, trying to figure that out. (laughs) And so update our listeners sort of where your school's at these days, as far as learning our kids fully back in the classroom and how's that going? Yeah. So I teach third grade. And so right now, um, third graders are back Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday, Friday in person, and we are remote on Wednesdays. And we've got a modified schedule, so um, they're in the building from um, 7.45-ish until 1.30, so that's a shorter day. Um, we There's no eating or drinking in the classroom, so there's not a snack time. Things look really different than they have, but um, we are we are back in person four days a week and have been for almost a month now. So it's starting to feel um, like we've got a good new rhythm going. Well, kudos to you, Amy, and, and all your fellow teachers. I know you're just representing yourself tonight and not every single teacher in America, but kudos to all of you for changing on the fly. No one ever could have prepared for something like this and teachers did in an amazing way. So congratulations on being able to do that. But you know, now now you're pivoting again and you're going back to what was kind of normal, I guess. Is there anything that you did as a remote teacher that you hope to continue to do now that you're back into a more normal routine? Totally. I would say um, one of the coolest things that has come out of working remotely is um, the access that I've had to my students' parents. For many families, um, coming to school for a parent-teacher conference or being able to volunteer in the classroom, those were things that were hard because of work, because of other, you know, younger siblings and daycare issues. And for us to be able to connect virtually and for me to be able to step into their home has been, um, I felt really privileged that families have let me into their home, not only to teach their kids, but to work with them as families in, you know, really forming a, a partnership because I wasn't at their house helping their student. They were really the teacher and I was the one that was, you know, providing content and information and suggestions. But um, it it has felt much more like a parent-teacher partnership Mm -hmm. than it ever has before. And I really hope that that can continue. And I feel like it can because now we know that we can collaborate remotely when families can't get into the building for whatever reason. So I really hope that that will continue. And also, I think that we have discovered that some of our students uh, really thrived in the virtual environment for whatever reason, whether it was all they had to do in the morning was get up and open their computer and they Mm -hmm. were at school (laughs) that's all it took. You know, um, some families, it's hard for them to get their students to school. And so these students um, 
who maybe had poor attendance issues in the past could be responsible for themselves and get up in the morning, open their computer, and boom, they were at school. And so I think that um, we as a system, and this is a huge conversation, not <laughs> not for tonight and not just for our school or our district, but I think we as an education system have a really big um, opportunity to create some change and uh, provide opportunities for students who... Um, this really worked for better than in-person school for whatever reason. Um, I really hope that we give some other options in the future. Are are there any lessons you learned teaching remotely that you're going to carry forward, either whether it be how to teach a particular content area or just some style of teaching that seemed to work well that uh, was maybe unexpected to you? Yeah. You know, it's interesting um, to see how savvy kids have become with all the technology they've had to navigate. Um, And they are experts at, you know, (laughs) flipping between screens and opening a program and getting out of the program and finding something and coming back to it and um, inserting documents into places. I mean, I wasn't teaching my students that stuff. I wasn't before because I was a teacher of eight and nine-year-olds where we were concentrating on how do we hold a pencil and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. But the, the fact of the matter is like, this is their world. Technology is their world. And so for me, it's like, okay, I've had to kind of step up my technology game a little bit. And I think that I will continue to utilize the technology, even when we continue to to do in-person learning. So um, that's their future for sure. So it's important that they're using it at school. I've read articles and I've, I've heard discussions about generation C, the, the COVID mm-hmm. generation. And oh, yeah. the, the possibility that some people fear that these kids will be behind academically for quite a long time. As a, as a teacher of younger kids, Amy, are you concerned about that? Have you seen that now that they're back in the classroom that the kids have fallen behind and won't be able to catch up? No, they are so resilient. Might they be not as great yet at multiplication and division? Maybe, but that's not my goal right now. My goal is I've got 16 students in my classroom who haven't been around other people for a whole year. We are relearning how to be around other people in a way that we have never had to before. So not only are we relearning how to establish friendships and to share things and to be in a space together, but now we have to be in a space together where we have to cover our face and we're washing our hands all the time and we have to keep a safe distance from everybody. And so that's my that's my main purpose. And if there's one thing, and this is my perspective, <laughs> if there's one thing that I would um, want the listeners to hear who might be worried about kids falling behind is teachers are trained. We are trained to meet kids where they're at and take them forward. And that's what we're going to do. And they're going to catch up. I promise they're going to they're going to catch up over time. But right now, 
they need to feel good about being at school. They need to be happy at school. They need to know what school looks like now because it's different than it was. And my experience so far just being back for the last almost month is that they are thrilled to be there. They are thrilled to play on the playground. They are thrilled to walk into the library. They are thrilled to have a pencil box in their desk, even though their desk is six feet away from somebody else's, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. they're just, I, I feel like their perspective has shifted because the things that maybe they took for granted, all of us took for granted, they're so happy to have back. And I feel like that's a lesson that they couldn't have necessarily learned otherwise. And that's a huge life lesson. The academics are going to come. Right. So I, I don't feel worried about that. So it sounds like the kids are pretty resilient. Let's talk about the teachers. What sort of toll has this taken on you and, and some of your colleagues, if you know how they're feeling? Yeah, it's been hard. It, it's been hard with many moments of amazingness. I mean, we we had to pretty much overnight think about how to do our very, very, very interactive um, up and moving and physical job in this way where we're looking at kids on a screen. It just, our job doesn't translate to being on a screen like many other jobs do. And so trying to think about how to be engaging and how to deliver content in a way that was effective um, has been really hard. And doing that amidst everything that's happening in the world and the uncertainty and the scariness and, um, you know, different teachers have been affected differently because of, you know, family circumstances. And so it's, it's been really, really hard. Um, But I also discovered that I actually liked teaching online more than I thought I would. I much prefer being in the classroom, obviously, but, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. I just thought there's no way I'm going to be able to get to know these kids. There's no way, um, I'm going to be able to develop a relationship with them like I do normally. And that actually can happen online. It's different, but it actually can happen. And it was really interesting to meet these little ones in person in February, like it's like it was the first day of school, but I had already known them for four months online. And so there wasn't that awkwardness like, hi, I'm your teacher. Um there was none of that. We already knew each other. So it was actually kind of a fun way to come back together after, you know, getting to know them a little bit online. Um, The other thing that's been hard, honestly, is our job is not one where we sit all day long. And so just the, the physical toll it has taken on our bodies or on my body, um, you know, just like, Oh, my back hurts. I'm not used to sitting all day. I'm not used to standing all day. You know, I would, teach all day long at home and look at my look at my watch at the end of the day and have 1500 steps like after a whole day of work whereas I mean just to contrast that like eight or nine thousand steps when I'm teaching all day and so just the the effect that that had um on my body and you know just the other thing too that's been tricky is just not 
knowing how effective I'm being able to be in a virtual setting. You know, when we're in person, I can sit down next to a kid and I can have a conversation or I can have them read to me or I can look at their work with them and have them really talk to me about it. And that's just really hard to do um, in a virtual situation. So, yeah, I always like wondered how much are they learning? Are they learning? And, and they actually really were, they actually really were, but it was so much harder to figure that out than it is when I'm with them face to face. Sure. Yeah. Amy, we'll get you out of here with uh, one last question. And this would pertain to the parents. We talked about the impact on the students, the impact on the teachers, but the parents Mm -hmm. have been impacted as well in, in many ways, as we all know. Yeah. Any advice to them is, um, I mean, I, I know it's great having the kids back in the classroom, but it's still not like it was more than a year ago. Any advice to them on how to hang in there for a little while longer until hopefully we get back to full-time school again? Yeah, I I try really hard to tell my parents, you didn't sign up to be your child's teacher. <laughs> I did. <laughs> Right. You you did not sign up for this. And so please be kind to yourself. Be kind to yourself. Please know that your child's teacher doesn't expect you to know how to do their job. I wouldn't expect any of my parents to know how to do what I do. And um, so I, I really want parents to be kind to themselves and to know that their kids' academics are going to be okay. So yeah, let's make sure they're reading. Yeah, let's make sure they're practicing particular skills at home, but let's not have them sit in front of a computer all day long. I want them to be outside and playing and moving their bodies and using all those important parts of their brain. And I don't expect them to try to teach their child how to do multiplication or division um, that can add to a lot of frustration, mm-hmm. which uh, for the parents and the kid, which leads to stress and it's just a kind of a downhill spiral. And so I, I just want everyone to be nice to themselves. <laughs> That's a really great advice. Yeah. Yeah, that is. Well, Amy, Amy, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with us. Again, thanks for all you do as a teacher. Thanks to all the teachers out there. It has been incredibly challenging, but uh, I think the kids are going to pull through this and teachers take care of yourselves as well. You're going to pull through this as well. So thanks so much. Thank you. You bet. Thank you for having me. Take care. All right. Uh, Our wives talked a little bit about parenting during the pandemic. I just wanted to touch on it real quickly with us here. We're reflecting uh, 12 months into this whole thing. And uh, what have been maybe one thing that's been the hardest for you and your family to tackle or overcome during the pandemic? I'll go first. It certainly has been a challenge to tell the kids that they can't see their friends. They can't have as much time with their grandparents. They can't see their grandparents indoors. They have to wear masks. So just sort of being the police for the kids, as far as all of the things that they've wanted to do, or maybe even needed to do. And for me, I'm not parenting on a daily basis anymore. So it's a little, it's a little different, but I think the hardest thing for me 
is that I felt really bad for Ben being a college student during the pandemic. I just think that he's been, he and his friends and every, you know, probably high school and college student in America has just missed out on a very important part of growing up and maturing and, and life. And I just feel for him because it's not, you're not going to get it back. You don't get another, I mean, it's not like getting another year of eligibility for playing a sport. You're still taking classes. You're still going to graduate. So I, that's, that's probably been the hardest thing for me to watch. Yeah. Uh, for our girls, kind of a combination of the both of yours and um, with our girls being in middle and high school, um, trying to communicate openly with them about sort of their emotions and how they're feeling as they're going through this, you know, day to day, week to week, how are they feeling? Um, and like, I think a lot of adults, it's kind of a roller coaster ride. Sometimes it's amazing and things are going really great. And other times it's, I haven't seen any friends or I don't have any friends or I'm not really connecting with anyone or um, why can't I just go back to school or whatever. And then other weeks it's the, all, all the opposite. I love working for going to school at home. This is amazing. And I love being able to see my friends all virtually. It's amazing. So uh, the hardest thing has been to really kind of ride that emotional roller coaster with the kids as we've gone through this. And as we think back now, having done this podcast for 20 episodes, do you guys have a particular highlight or favorite topic that we covered or something that uh, was particularly funny that you reflect back on? <laughs> There's a lot of funny stuff that I <laughs> reflect on. This has been really fun to do this with you guys for the last, boy, 25 weeks or so, 24 weeks that we've been working on this. Yeah, there's some outtakes that didn't make the air that are incredibly funny, but we can't release well, those. Yeah, we have to hold on to that family rating. <laughs> I really enjoyed interviewing my dad. You know, it, I probably never would have done something like that or thought to do something like that. And even though it was just 20 minutes, um, I felt like that was really uh, a nice way to just connect with him. And, you know, to have to do it remotely, but just, uh, I, I really enjoyed that. And I'm glad I got to share that with the listeners. I've appreciated the graciousness of all of our guests to take the time, make the time, typically on a Sunday evening when they have families of their own to to talk to us about areas that they're passionate about. That's That's been really, really nice for me and, and, this, and to meet them and to learn more about what they do and, and how passionate they are about their professions. That's, that's been, um, I'm, I'm very grateful to all of them. For me, uh, to be able to spend time with two of you, actually, it's uh, during COVID, <clears throat> as adults and parents, we too need our own social time and uh, it's cut into our ability to be able to do that too. And so to have this, to be able to look forward to every Sunday has been really um, a real privilege for me too. And we would like to thank our guest, Amy Roselli, who is uh, not only my wife, but of course a third grade teacher here in the Bellingham School District in Whatcom County. And, of course, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Robinson and Cole Attorneys. 
be sure to rate and subscribe and check out our Facebook page. And if you have an idea for a guest or a topic to discuss, make sure you send us an email at whatcomdadspodcast at gmail.com. And next week on episode 21, well, we don't know yet. So just tune in, see what we come up with. Thanks for listening. Why did the ketchup turn all red? Why? It saw the salad dressing. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You naughty salad. Well, I became bored recently, so I decided to take up fencing. My neighbors said they'd call the cops if I didn't put it back. I don't know if I've done this one or not. Uh, this was one my my uh, f- my mom used to share with me. Uh, why does the ocean roar? Why you'd roar? You would roar too if you had crabs on your bottom. <laughs> no, I don't think you've done that one before. That's a good one. <laughs> That's a new one.